We are uh, so excited for what God is going to do here today at Propel. We are um, walking into an incredible season, believing God for some incredible things. So we want to give you a gift, and in that, so you got a coffee mug, and then there's a bookmark in there that talks about our vision, and it goes over the verse that I'm going to cover with you this morning. And, and so what I want to do, uh, I want to just kind of unpack some things that we've seen God do over the last 12 months as we celebrate our anniversary as a church. But not only that, um, in order for us to celebrate all that God's done, I have to bring you back to where we started this whole thing 12 months ago. And we had two really big announcements 12 months ago. And that was uh, this, that we were going to uh, move to two worship experiences. So we made the announcement that, hey, we're shifting gears. We're making the decision. We're going to move to two worship experiences. And on top of that, we are going to work to establish a permanent home in Mount Pleasant. So that's where we started last year. We said, hey, I got on stage on our three-year anniversary, and I, and I was really nervous to tell you. i got to be honest, right? Because with big faith comes big responsibility as well as your steward in an organization. So I was as, as confident as I could, said, this is what we're doing. And a lot of people were wondering at the time, Pastor, we have a 450-seat auditorium. Why are we moving to... Why, why are we moving to two services? And it, it wasn't out of a space need. It was because we felt like this is what God was leading us to do. So we made that decision to move to two services and or experiences. And when we did that, uh, here was the end result. We grew from an average of 180 people in attendance to 244 people in attendance on a Sunday, which was awesome. Because every one of those numbers has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So those 244 average, if you just take the last three weekends, it'd be way higher than that. I like pastor math, so it'd be closer to 35% in my book. Because you broke 300 the last two weeks in a row, which is huge. And what you need to understand, and maybe you're not familiar with this, but breaking 200 as a church is actually a really big deal. Because a lot of churches in America never surpass that 200 barrier. In fact, uh, most pastors and churches call that the death trap. Because you just keep, you get, you'll hit 200 and then you fall back down. And you hit 200 and you fall back down. But you, thanks to moving to two worship experiences and through the power of God, made the jump and we have successfully overcome the 200 hump. So making the jump to two worship experiences has been a huge blessing. God's done some incredible things. And then we kept going. That the, We weren't going to settle with where we were. We were going to move forward. And so we talked about moving to two experiences. And then we talked about establishing a permanent home. And at the time when I stood on stage, I said, look, i got to be honest with you. There's not really a facility in Mount Pleasant that can accommodate the size church we are currently and the vision that God's given us. And so we started looking, and nothing was available. Every door was closing. So we started pursuing land, and we got to some, some pretty in-depth stages on a piece of property to find out that on this 40, beautiful 46-acre plot of land we were looking at, based on the water line, it could only accommodate two single-family homes. I don't know if you noticed, that's not going to work. You can create custom septic. I can't. I ain't a magician. Can't make water appear. So... We ran into some snacks, but then God opened the door for us to get into the old middle school in Mount Pleasant. 
And so we shared that with you back in March, that, that God had opened a door. And I shared with you some vision and some journal entries back from 2013 and when, where I felt like God said, hey, they're building a new one, but the old one's yours. And we pursued it. We went after it. I sat with our CFO, and we, we looked at, we looked at the, this property, and we were looking at land. And I was like, yeah, but that middle school. And she's like, that middle school's not available. I'm like, yeah, but that middle school. And, and we kept driving by it, and we kept believing God for big things. And God is a way maker. When God opens a door, there's no man that can close it. And so he opened it. And so we stepped through, and we told you in March that we were going to set out to raise $500,000. That's a lot of money, but here was the cool part. It was a two-part uh, deal. 250000 of that was going to go towards renovating the facility in which we negotiated that fixing the roof and the HVAC would actually be in exchange for rent. So we spend about $4,000 a month between this facility and what was our office location before we closed it down. Once we worked out this deal, we were going into this new facility at a $4,000 a month rent credit and then rolling into a $4,000 a month lease, which means we were going to get a permanent home for the same money we're already spending. That's called stewardship, right? I mean, we were like, that's incredible. All we got to do is spend the money on the front end. So we started raising some money. And so here's what we've done so far with that. Today, we've raised $51,618.37. And, and Come on. That's been awesome. And we've watched God do some incredible things. We've worked with architects. We've already renovated the offices. We closed down our old property. We've, we've got uh, permits that are in process. And all, after all of that stuff that we've been doing to make sure we've got all the legal stuff taken care of and getting that new facility ready to be worked on, we've still got uh, $31,697.84 in the bank today. Come on. Which is awesome. And now, for some of you logical people, you're sitting there going, Pastor, you said, you said 500000 Really, we only need 250 of that to get in. We got equipment. We just, the other 250 would be to upfit. So you're saying, Pastor, 250000 We have 50000 That's a That's the numbers, and they don't add up. So what are we going to do? Well, really, in this first wave of our giving campaign, we kept everything internal. We brought it to you guys first. We didn't really do a whole lot of external promotion with it because we wanted to see what you would do towards funding our future home. But the next wave of our giving campaign is going to be an external campaign, which is where you and I leverage our platforms that God's given us to really come together and make this thing happen, where you invite your friends and your family to get involved. And we've made it really simple and really easy for you to do that. Why don't you check out this video? When I look at this room of empty chairs, something stirs inside my heart. I don't see empty seats, I see souls. I see families who are on the brink of divorce finding restoration. I see the prodigal son who's gone astray finding a family reunion at his return. I see a single mother who finds community and isolation is defeated in her life. And the list could go on and on. Every seat in this auditorium represents a story that God desires to bring hope, healing, and restoration to. I would love for you to join me in helping broken, lost, and hurting people meet Jesus. Currently, there are 540 seats in this auditorium. Multiply that by 52 Sundays a year, and that's 28,080 opportunities for people to encounter Jesus. Part two of our More campaign is the invitation to sponsor a seat for just $10. 
$10 a chair times 28,000 opportunities is over $280,000. Your generosity allows us to finish the roof, the HVAC, and bathrooms to make this facility our home. You can give online at propel.church/more or mail in your gift to 400 North Main Street, Mount Pleasant, North Carolina. Together, we can see this old middle school transform into a place where thousands meet Jesus. I did math in the video, and, and it worked. So, so 540 chairs times 52 Sundays is over 28,000 individual opportunities for people to meet Jesus. When you and I sponsor one of those opportunities, one of those seats for $10, together that's $280,000. So people have been asking, hey, Pastor, when are, when are we going to be in the facility? And, and I would say when we fund it. Because we'll move at the pace of our people. Because we don't want to burden us. We don't, we don't want to get us bogged down in not being able to do ministry because we're so focused on getting into a facility. We have always put people over programs, and we're going to continue to do it. So when we fund it, we'll get in there. So what we're asking you to do, and you'll get an email later this afternoon that goes on about it, is, is to take that next step and invite your friends and your family. Maybe some of you are new to the journey. You weren't here back in March when we talked about it. And get involved. Start giving towards that above and beyond your, your tithe, and it really does make a difference. So that's where we're at with the more campaign. We've seen God do some incredible things. We made the jump to two worship experiences. We thought we were going to be purchasing land. We ended up getting into a facility and we're working on renovating that. Um, but here are some really cool things that have happened in just the last 12 months. I want to show you decisions for Jesus. So in the last 12 months, we've seen 164 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which means that 634 people have done that throughout the course of our church. For baptisms, we've seen 29 people go public with their faith over the course of the last 12 months, bringing us to 286 all time. Come on, you can celebrate that. I was talking with a pastor the other, a few months ago, and he said the average church in America doesn't have five baptisms a year. Know that what God is doing here is unique and it's incredible to be a part of. And just a shameless plug, we got baptism next weekend. And so if you haven't gone public with your faith, next Sunday's the day to do it. And and your name can be one of those numbers next year that we celebrate because we honor all that God has done. And one more thing, um, we believe wholeheartedly, we've talked a little bit about giving and facilities and buildings and all of that stuff. Um, but we want you to know that we would never ask you to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so uh, over the last 12 months, we've given $41,169 and some 53 cents away to local, global, and international missions. That's a big thing to celebrate. And so if you're a numbers person, you know, we tell you that we tithe as a church. So you're thinking, oh, so the operating budget is $400,000. It's not. <laughs> it's not at all. Our operating budget is closer to $240,000 a year. But we believe that generosity begins at 11%. So tithing just makes you obedient. When you start giving above and beyond the tithe, you step into generosity. And we believe that it unlocks blessings that, that the, the floodgates of heaven just pour out. 
And so we've been paving the way in that. And so last year when we sent out the 2018 report for you, we gave away about 18% of our budget. And we're going to continue to do that because we believe in investing and giving back. And so when there's a need, we meet it. When there's something that comes up, we facilitate it because we believe that that's what God has created the local church to do. And so we've seen God do some incredible things in the last 12 months. From, from making the decision to make the leap to two worship experiences and watching our average attendance grow, watching 164 people make decisions for Jesus, it's been incredible to see dreams that I felt like God gave me back years ago of what this church would look like in Mount Pleasant and where it would be located. To watch God do that is, is it, it was a really big thing for the church, but, but for me, it was this confirmation that we serve a God who keeps his promises. And so I don't know if you're here today and God's given you a word, but if he's given you a word, know that he is faithful to see it through to the end. So this has been a great year. We've watched God do so many incredible things. But if I'm honest with you, this has been an incredibly difficult year for me as well. Like, just to be totally transparent, this has been one of those years where there were so many victories, and yet, like, I found myself wanting to quit every couple of weeks. Because with great victories comes really big battles. And so I know that a lot of you are here today, and you only see the external stuff. You see the big victories, and you don't see the battles. You don't see the struggles. You don't see the the sleepless nights, and you don't see the times where I sit across from my wife and go, what are we doing? You don't see those conversations with team leaders and, and things like that when things aren't going so great. What we see a lot of times is just the external stuff. And so over the course of the last 12 months, the Lord has really been teaching me something. And I wanted to share that word with you today. I wanted to give you all the good stuff, and then I wanted to show you like, hey, it's not always pretty. And sometimes life is tough. And so about uh, August of last year, I was flying from... Charlotte to St. Louis. I was going out for a business trip, and I was going to teach at like three churches while I was in St. Louis. And so I'm on the plane. I'm like, this is a perfect time to prepare a message. Then you don't have to talk to people. So I'm on the plane, and I'm sitting down, and I just can't shake this word that God keeps giving me. And it's all about pruning and abiding. And I don't know about you, but I hate the word pruning. (laughs) Some of y'all laugh because you know what it is. And it's terrible. (laughs) Pruning is never fun. But what the Lord's been teaching me over the last 12 months is abide, abide, abide. And one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about you taking notes on a Sunday morning is because what I didn't know 12 months ago is that God was actually teaching me then what I needed for the next season of my life. And so you take notes on a Sunday morning because I believe that God strategically places you in a body to give you exactly what you need so that as you start to go through it, he's already taught you how to make it. So if you've got a Bible, go with me to John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. This is what it says. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be available on the screens. You can download the Version Bible app or the Propel Church app. If you don't have a paperback Bible, we'd love to bless you with one. Simply stop out there um, by the Next Steps area, and they'll give you one as our gift to you today. This is what it says, John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be, that it may bear more fruit. 
So Jesus is having a conversation, an introductory conversation with the disciples in John chapter 15. And he says, I need to tell you a story about how God really works. That's what Jesus does. Throughout all of Scripture, what we'll read in the New Testament is the disciples didn't understand how God worked. And so Jesus would just break it down for me. He says, so you're very familiar with a vineyard. I want to tell you about my father. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. In other words, the father has a role, he has a job, and there's two reasons for the vine dresser to step in. And the first reason is for removal. So he says, the vine dresser steps in, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Removal. This is what God does for us. When you begin a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, God steps into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to convict you of sin with the desire that he might take it away from you. So many times when the vine dresser steps into our life to remove something, what you and I do is we just hold on to it even tighter. I think the Holy Spirit works a whole lot like a check engine light in your car. How many of you have a check engine light? All of you. Perfect. That's, that's what I wanted. Great crowd participation. You guys are incredible. 9 a.m. You've become my new favorite. So, so all of us have a check engine light. Now, here's what I've learned with my vehicles. Avoiding the check engine light never actually fixes the problem. It only prolongs the inevitable. And what Scripture teaches you and I is that sin leads to death. And so what God does is he steps in and he goes, hey, I've, I've already died for that. I'll take it. And we go, no, it'll, time heals all wounds. Oh, you know, God, yeah, that's, yeah, but like it's not really that bad. At least I'm not going out and doing what they're doing. And, you know, I'll just hold on to it for a little while longer. Yeah, God, I know you told me to get rid of that, but like, come on. Is it really that bad? It reminds me of a story of a pastor friend of mine who uh, was out in Arizona, and one day he exits his, into his backyard to see his daughter. Look, she looks like she's so filled with joy. She's laughing and she's smiling. And as he rounds the corner, what he notices is that she is there playing with a rattlesnake, grinning ear to ear. He's terrified. She looks filled with joy. So what does he do? What any loving father would do, he reaches down and he snatches the snake away from her, and he kills it. She doesn't thank him. She's not pumped that dad stepped in to do this. She begins to throw a fit. She's crying and she's screaming. What she didn't know at the time was that the father was stepping in to prevent her from what could take her out. And that's what God does for you and I. There are things that you and I have in our lives and the vine dresser comes in to say, hey, there's things that don't bear fruit. Let me take them. Let me take it Away. The second thing that he does is he comes in for removal and he comes in for reproduction. So it says he comes in and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. I don't like that verse. Like, in fact, if I was going to write the verse, which I, I, I wouldn't, I would write it like, hey, the vine dresser comes in and the branches, the dead branches, he just gets rid of the dead branches. And then the vine dresser goes back to the clubhouse and they have a party. That would be my, because I, when I read it, I, the vine dresser comes in and every branch that does bear fruit, he, he prunes. But I thought the goal was to bear fruit. 
I thought the goal was that you and I would become more like Christ and, and that, that our lives would not be, we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. And as we're working this thing out, why would God cut back some of the things that he's called me to do so that you can grow? He says that the vine dresser steps in and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If you're taking notes, the first thing is that pruning is painful but essential for growth. Pruning is painful but essential for growth. This year has been filled in my life with pruning. Great areas of fruitfulness, great things that God was doing. God was growing stuff, but there were some things that needed to be pruned in my own life so that he could continue to grow me. And he does the same thing in your life. God steps in and he begins to prune some things. And oftentimes we get hurt because we think, God, I've been faithful. Why would you do that? But the goal is not to crush you. The goal is that you would bear more fruit. Maybe the greatest thing that you could hear today is that a grape will never become wine without first being crushed. So your greatest blessing could come from your greatest crushing. That as God presses you, as you feel the tension and the weight of life, that what is produced out of that is refined gold. It's purified faith. It's something that God can use because he is a God who is in the business of pruning for the purpose of growth. The second thing that I want you to write down is that God wants me to be fruitful. I, I had to buy into this belief as I was reading through this passage of scripture and the Lord was teaching me this stuff this year as I was going through this pruning process I felt like everything was being cut away from me and the reason why it was being cut away is because it was just being cut away that God just saw fit that I wouldn't do those things anymore I wouldn't have those relationships anymore and so the pruning was incredibly painful because deep down I didn't actually believe that God wanted me to be fruitful and I don't know if you believe that I don't know if you've bought into the lie of the enemy that would say that God really wants everyone else on this earth to be fruitful except for you, that God's blessing is really for everyone other than you. But I came here to tell you this morning that your greatest setback is God's greatest setup for his power to be made perfect in your life. That the very thing that you've been struggling with, the very thing that God's been removing from your life, the very thing he's been pruning away from your life is not to harm you, but it's for your benefit that you might grow even more. So what God does is he brings you back to the place of fruitfulness. I knew if I was going to teach on uh, this passage of Scripture that I had to become a little more well-versed in what I will call vinology. Um, I, I, some of you may be vineyard experts. I am not. But what I was learning as I was reading about vineyards and vines is that a, a vine... Um, will actually, can, it can grow up to hundreds of feet long. In, in fact, it will use a lot of its energy to produce other branches and, and things like that. However, a vine will only grow fruit on about the first nine feet. So get this. If you and I don't let the vine dresser step into our life, what will happen is we will spend our entire lives producing sticks when we could be producing fruit. And I see so many Christians who have wasted energy because we won't let God prune us. 
God cuts us back to the place of fruitfulness so that we can continue to grow. God never designed you, built you, wired you to live your whole life producing sticks when you could be producing fruit, when you could be doing something with your life, when you could be making a difference, when you could have an eternal impact. God has hardwired you and designed you to make a difference. We talk here at Propel Church about know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Look at, look at what John 15, 5 says. Jesus is coming out to the end of this, what he's telling the disciples, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we tell you at Propel, we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It's actually in this passage. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You have to remain in me. That's no God. The vine dresser steps in and he takes away the things that are not bearing fruit. That's find freedom. Oh, discover your purpose, you're cut back to the place of fruitfulness. It's not that God wants to remove everything, it's that he wants to redeem it. So that you might bear more fruit, yeah, you can make a difference. It's all through the scripture. God desires, so he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, apart from me, you're nothing. And and here's the third thing that I have for you. Uh, The best thing I can do is remain faithful and remain connected to Jesus. The best thing I can do is remain connected to Jesus. Pull up John 15, 5 one more time. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, that's conditional. So when you read scripture and you read the word if, it means if you do it, this happens. If you don't do it, it don't happen. So it doesn't read, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you will bear fruit. That's not how it works. I'm the vine, you're the branches, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I wrestled through what what in the world am I going to teach on four-year after coming out of the gate last year going, I have heard from the Lord and we are going to two experiences and we are establishing a permanent home, right? I mean, those are big those are big things. And what I felt like the Lord just kept bringing back to my mind is that word abide. Yeah. Like, hey, in the good times, I abide. In the bad times, I abide. When I'm up, I abide. When I'm low, I abide. When I'm feeling oppressed, I abide. When I'm triumphant, I abide. When I get a great doctor's report, I abide in the Lord. When I get a bad doctor's report, I abide in the Lord. No matter what happens to you, stay connected to Jesus. Because your faithfulness will be directly tied to your fruitfulness. And that's what I think we miss out on sometimes in our walk with Jesus. So we get so caught up with all the external stuff and, and that we pursue being fruitful over pursuing being faithful. God has not called you to fruitfulness first. He's called you to faithfulness first. So as you seek out the Lord, as you trust God with all your heart, as you lean not on your own understanding and you navigate this pruning process where God removes and he prunes and he brings you back to that place of fruitfulness, know that the best thing you can do is remain faithful. James 1.12 
Blessed is he who perseveres, for once he has endured the test, he will receive the crown of life in which God has promised for him. All throughout Scripture, you can see over and over and over again that the mark of true salvation is that it endures to the end. Is that you remain through the tough times. If he's only God for you in the good times, he's not your God. He's a convenient companion. He's the God in the high times. He's the God in the low times. And whether things are really great, this is what I've learned this year, whether things are really great or really bad, just abide. Like, we overcomplicate it. He just says, hey, if, yeah, times are going to get difficult. You're going to go through that whole pruning process, and that's not really fun for anybody. But if, if you remain in me, I'll remain in you, and, and you'll bear fruit. The external result is always better than the, the pain and the, the process you have to go through. But know that you probably can't get to where God wants to take you without going through that pruning process. So what's my plan for the next 12 months? Abide. <laughs> it's to just remain faithful to what God said to do. I'm going to stay faithful to do what God has called us to do in the last 12 months, which is to create more space for people to encounter him and establish a permanent home in Mount Pleasant. And my question for you is, will you join me? I tell you every week, this is like my favorite verse. This one literally, in this moment for right now, is my favorite verse. Psalm 92, 13 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. For some of us, you read that verse and you saw that word flourish and you realize there's a discrepancy in your walk with God. For some of you, the discrepancy is that you aren't connected to Jesus at all. You've heard a lot about him. You've, you've, you've heard of him. You know that he was a really cool guy who did some miracles and maybe we're at a vacation Bible school and heard some stories about him. But what you need to know is that same God, that really cool Jesus, died a gruesome death for you and for me. He paid the price for our sins so that in him we could have everlasting life. And you're not connected to the vine if you haven't placed your hope in Jesus. So for some of you today, that's your starting point. You begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. For some of you, you're not connected to God's church at all. And I would tell you that your relationship with God cannot flourish without being planted in the house of the Lord because God created you for community. And for some of us, we settle for things like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I text my friends a Bible verse every now and then. No, no, no. The local church is what Jesus is coming back for. Not a building, but a people. A people who are on mission. And, and truthfully, you should be a little inconvenienced by biblical community. Right? Like we make it really easy sometimes because we get to watch church from the house or in our PJs. And I love PJs. Don't get me wrong. But here's what I'm saying. If your relationship with God is based on convenience, you don't have a relationship with God. You're still your God. Some of you need to get connected into God's church. And I think there's a third group of you. 
that you're not really planted, you're potted. And so what you do is, rather than being planted in the house of the Lord, you got your own little flower pot that you're in and you just take it to whatever church you decide to go to. And God didn't call you to be potted, he called you to be planted. It's time for you to lift your, lift your flower up. I don't do flowers. Throw it in the ground somewhere. It doesn't have to be here. In, in fact, if Propel Church is not your cup of tea, I can recommend 15 to 25 churches like that in the lobby. Come see me after this. I'd love to help you because I know the value of what can happen in your life when you really plant roots somewhere, when you really dig in. I believe in it so much that from time to time I give people a 12-year challenge, or 12-year, 12, 12 it, it's a 12-month challenge. We may develop a 12-year challenge. That'd be, that'd be good. Because honestly, uh, too many times when we, when we get involved with church, it, it is about convenience. It's, it's no longer about covenant. And that's a whole different message. I'm just not going to hit that today. I'll leave your toes alone for this morning. We're going to have cupcakes in a second. Um, but I give people this 12-month challenge, and, and what it is is you just, you just do everything. Like you... You make the decision for Jesus. You get baptized. You start giving regularly. You get involved in a group. You start serving. If you do those things over the course of 12 months and your life doesn't change for the better, I'll resign and help you find another church because I believe in it. Yeah. I believe in it. So I don't know what where you're at today. I don't know if you need to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. I don't know if you or here and you're not connected to a church or maybe you need to plant roots. Here's what I do know. If you remain connected to Jesus and you get planted in his church, I think Ephesians 3.20 comes to pass in your life. That God is able to do more than you might ask, think, or imagine through his mighty power at work within you. Through Christ Jesus and his church throughout all generations forever. Amen. Will you pray with me real quick? Father, we love you so much. And today we are thankful and grateful for the opportunity to gather and worship you and just celebrate all that you've done over the course of the last four years. God, you are a miracle-working God. We thank you that you are the same God in the highs as you are the lows. And so today, Lord, we just want to create a, a moment for people who may be here and are saying, hey, I, don't, I know that I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I know that that I'm not connected to the vine. And here's what I want you to know. For those of you who aren't connected to the vine, that for those of you who aren't connected to Jesus, it's not an overcomplicated thing. It just starts with the invitation to follow by placing your hope and trust in him. If you're here today and you say, hey, that's me, I need to make a decision for Jesus, would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, I wanna make that. I see those. Here's what we're going to do. Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Will you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions today? Amen.